that song. I just feel like let's just stay where we're at in the spirit of Jesus. Let's just stay where we're at. And in your own words, maybe you have a prayer language. Let's just tell God how much we love him and how much we appreciate him. Let's just stay in that moment of worship. God, you're so good. Let that spirit of weird pass by. Just, just start talking to Jesus. Just start talking to God. Tell him how much you love him. Birthday today. Oh, 
I, I don't think I would have heard that if I wasn't actually focusing in on him. Because it's, it's, it's elementary things, but I didn't think it applied to me. And during the fasting time, all of a sudden I realized, wait, this does apply to me. It does apply to me. And God was able to break through to me. Sometimes that only happens when you're actually taking your focus off of what you're you know, normally depending on and you, you refocus it on the one who we are totally dependent on. Um, and it, it was good. Um, I think, though, that a fasting period is, is always, the hope is always that you come out of it with a new desire to stay in that connection, to stay in that focus. Even though you go back into your normal routines, that you don't go back to um, your normal way of doing those routines. That something in there re uh, remains about focusing on, on Jesus and, 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 and being um, intentional about listening and obeying Him. Um, and then we learned last week that life is lived out in the middle, the middle between God's promises and its fulfillment. And in the kingdom of God, there's only three, three seasons. There's the new season, there's the middle, and then there's the due season. And every due season introduces a new season again. That will lead to the middle. And so most of our life, we're going to be in this place of the, of the middle where we have promises that are being fulfilled yet and we'll have victories to share. But you can't move forward if you stay stuck in a victory. Neither can you move forward if you stay stuck in a defeat. And we need to let go of both and ask God what's next for our lives so that he can move us forward. Um, we learned that there's no promise in the Bible that said it was supposed to be easy and it was supposed to be comfortable. In fact, the Bible actually promises the opposite. Says, In this life, you will have trouble. It's how do we manage that? How do we live a joyful, peaceful, significant life, significant life in the middle of all the middle season? In the, in the middle of all these uh, ongoing things that we're trusting God with. And so when we sing, God is faithful, God is faithful, it's, it's like a lifeline. We're declaring that over our circumstances. We're declaring that over our lives. Holding on to the promise that it will come a due season for fulfilling. If we continue by faith. We learned that it, you only get to the due season if you keep moving by faith. If you keep responding to God saying, let's go forward. If you park. If you get offended. If you go sit down in bitterness. You start becoming critical. You actually stagnate and you don't get to see the breakthrough. You don't get to see the due season. And it's self-inflicted. It's got nothing to do with what you're going through. It's got nothing to do with God. It's everything to do with your decision to get stuck and to stay stuck. Today I want to talk about getting being stuck in the desert. We're listen to what uh, Paul says about Moses and just Moses' journey of walking in his purpose and, and, and how and lessons that we can gain and gather from that to get unstuck if we're in a place like a desert um, in our lives. So turn with me to Exodus 2. Excuse me. Um, oh, I it's a, in, a, in Afrikaans, which is my native language, uh, we say, I would have said, Tiger your which means tiger you thorn. But it translates completely to the opposite. It's means it's more like it's more like you champion. I wanted I wanted to say you do it. Helping me out with a little bit of um, water there. Thanks, bro. You're the best. Verse eleven. Let's start reading there. It says, "In the course of time, 
Moses grew up. And then he went to see his own people and watch them suffering under forced labor. He saw a Hebrew, one of his own people, being beaten up by an Egyptian. Okay, it says beaten. Right, but I'm now living in the south here, so that's to be beaten up, right? Where did my screen go back there, guys? All right, Moses went there the next day. He saw two Hebrew men fighting. Sorry, sorry, I forget to get the part where it says that uh, he looked around and when he didn't see anyone, he beat up the Egyptian guy. He beat him to death. And then he hit the body in the sand. The next day, because you always return to the scene of the crime, right? The next day he went there and he saw two Hebrew men fighting. And he asked the one who started the fight, why are you beating another Hebrew? The man asked, well, who made you ruler and judge? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought that everyone knew what he had done. When Pharaoh heard what Moses had done, he tried to have him killed. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. So, Moses, we know the story. If you don't, uh, incredible story of um, a, a mom who disobeyed the decree of the king because it was an unrighteous decree. She instead of letting them kill her newborn son, she made a plan to save his life. Put him in a little basket, waterproofed it, put him in the, in the, in the lake. Um, it was found by Pharaoh's daughter who just loved, loved him, um, couldn't care for him because she wasn't in a, in a, in a, in a phase, uh, you know, a season of nursing. And uh, Miriam, Moses' older sister, was kind of like following the basket to see you know, where it would end up and what would happen. Um, and so she approaches and says, hey, I know somebody that can take care of this child. Like, you know, uh, a caretaker. No, no, it's his mother. Anyway, so Miriam ends up bringing Moses back to his mother. His mother gets to raise him under the, uh, uh, you know, protection of, you know, the daughter of the king. Um, at a specific time, he was brought back to the palace and Moses went underwent uh, um, a training. <clears throat> under Egyptian law, he learned everything that Egypt could teach him. Um, and... Uh, then, you know, the time came when, when he was in this situation where he really he started learning about the fact that he's, uh, he's not, he kind of knew he wasn't a, 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 an Egyptian, but um, he, he started getting interest in his people. Um, and and this, this event took place. Moses was, was positioned for greatness and leadership. That's just what he would have been. He would have become some form of leader uh, in some area, maybe over a, a specific uh, project or maybe over an area that would be like a governor or something under the king. But he was positioned and, 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 and poised for, for becoming uh, a great leader, have a comfortable life, you know, have basically served people serving him throughout his whole life. And his whole, all his children would have, you know, been blessed by that, you know, that blessing, that, 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 that position that he was in. He would look. He could look to that and say, "Man, I can't give this up, or I can't, you know, change my ways in this because, you know, what would that? That would literally take away from our children something that I would be able to provide for them that nobody else would of our, of our Hebrew people would be able to be, uh, provide for their children. And um, and yet there was something on the inside of him that piqued his interest about his people." And he was drawn to observe them. He was drawn to visit the places where they were. 
You see, God made Moses for a purpose, and he saved his life for a purpose. And yet it took somebody with faith that defied the, the decree, you know, in, um, under threat of losing their own lives, uh, to help see that purpose come to pass. Look at me. Your life has had so many people interact with it, good or bad. But God has placed people around you that have done things to bring you where you are because he has a purpose for you. He has designed you. He has brought you this far. And I always say this, if you still have breath in your lungs, you still have purpose for your life. You have a purpose. God made you on purpose and he made you for a purpose. Sometimes we read these biblical figure, you know, stories and we think to ourselves, they have purpose. And what happened to all the other people that was around them? Well, I mean, how would you write all that down? They also had purpose. They were just not written down for us to learn from. And so it doesn't matter if anybody writes about you or not. It doesn't matter if you become famous or not. Your life still has purpose. And your life is not just purpose for you. Your life has purpose for your maker. He needs you. It's not just a matter of, okay, I'm existing and, you know, God don't really need me, but you know what, maybe he'll, no, 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 no. You are here because he needs you here now. You could have been born in the age of the Vikings. But you're not. You weren't. You were born now. God purposed you to be born now. And he for sure isn't going to be that specific about what age you were born in to let you live without purpose until the day you breathe your last breath. He has an investment in you. And he wants a return on that investment. And each of us can, can, we can respond to him and see that destiny fulfilled. Or we can do the opposite and we can get stuck. Some of us weren't even, weren't planned by humanity. Like some of us might have been, you know, like what they refer to as an accident, right? You were born because, you know, of a one night stand, or you were born out of wedlock, or you were born without being prepared. God was not surprised by your birth. In fact, God gives life. You couldn't have even been here if he didn't chub, stamp approved. It's okay for you to go. And some of us were born under the most adverse of circumstances, but the, what we fail to forget is that God is not faced by circumstances. He can bring you through whatever circumstance. And when he said it's okay for you to be born, he also knew that if you connected with him, you will make it. He will be able to lead you through any and every challenge that you were going to be faced by. You have to understand that. You might have gone through hell to get here. But God was in it with you. God is the reason why you are still here. God is the reason why you're not dead yet. God is the reason why you're here. He has a purpose for you. And that purpose is centered in His agenda for you. See, we've often thought of purpose 
as okay what does that mean for me how do i become great how do i become you know all that i was made to be the best me that i can be look if you're going to look for purpose in you you're going to be gravely disappointed you have to start seeing purpose as and as a factor of god's agenda not your own hopes and your own plan your own dreams of grandeur until you submit that quest to God's agenda, you will remain with a big question mark behind your, your life for the rest of your life. God has a purpose for your life. He didn't give you something to do just to make you become great. No, you're forming a part of his plan. And you were strategically placed here. But then Moses, he got stuck, right? Moses sees this this thing about like these these people they're my people they're suffering it feels like something needs to happen i don't like what i see what should i do and and and, and he goes and he takes matters in his own hands he he's sensing that there's something on the inside of him drawing towards being a solution to that problem he senses purpose. I have to do something about this. I have to be some. I have to make a difference. I have to make an impact. He's sensing something, but he goes and he interprets himself. This is what I have to do, and he saves that Hebrew man. He kills the Egyptian, and then, for fear of his life, he flees to Midian. <laughs> it's about, uh, according to the maps and all that, it's like somewhere like 400 miles away from there. He he fled good. <laughs> he didn't go to rain, all right? He, he, he went out of, out of, out of state. <laughs> but the sad thing is, not only does he flee, he actually settles for a counterfeit purpose. There's something about the faithfulness of God that wanted to bring Moses back on track. And I want to tell that to you today. It doesn't matter where you turned, how far you fled. It doesn't matter what you settled for. God can revive your purpose. Yeah. God wants to revive your purpose. He wants to reconnect you with your purpose. When you met Jesus, you collided with your destiny. You did. If you haven't met Jesus, there's going to be a whole bunch of question marks in your life still. What about this? What about that? Where is that? What is this? Jesus brings order because he created you. You collide with your destiny when you meet Jesus. You release your purpose when you submit to his leadership. So Exodus 3. Stories a little bit continue. I'm taking excerpts out of Exodus um, to show us some of the things that happened to Moses and how that led to him getting unstuck. God is about to give Moses a way back into his purpose. He says to Moses in verse 9, Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, there must have been something familiar to Moses about this. It's like he's seen the oppression of the people of, of his fellow Hebrews. 
just try to do something about it. Right? It failed miserably. And God says, come. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so that you can go and get them out of there. It must have been something familiar about that. Yet, a lot of, a lot of time has passed. And he has become pretty comfortable in his setting where he was. Note here that the children of God is, 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 is screaming out to God, save us, save us, save us. What does God do? God starts talking to a person about that. God doesn't show up to the group there and gives them, uh, you know, directions of, or, you know, where the process is at, you know, how things are going and, you know, how long will they still have to wait? No, no, no. They're praying to God. God doesn't speak to them as a nation. No, God goes and he speaks to a man. He speaks to an individual. He goes and speaks with a person. God is about to deliver these people, yet they don't know anything about it. But God's deliverance is predicated upon this one person saying yes to him. This one person stepping out in the faith that, that he needs to, to be able to respond to this calling. Just because you are reaching out to God doesn't always mean that God is going to answer you directly. That's why the church is such a beautiful thing. But that's also why you are so necessary. Because God might be speaking to you about somebody else's heart's cry. And that person's answer is predicated upon your yes. You are necessary. You are needed. Your yeses are important. Your obedience is paramount to somebody else's breakthrough. There is a weight on the children of God. The Bible says the earth is groaning for the revelation, for the revealing of the sons of God. The earth is crying out for sons of God who takes up their purpose in his agenda and starts walking in it. And God needs us to grow. He needs us to become um, mature. He needs us to get beyond our own needs. And our self-centered lifestyles. And he needs us to learn how to become young men who are strong and overcome. And fathers who are able to take care of others. But it all requires a yes. It all requires a yes. When you look at the earth and you look at pain. When you look at all these things. What, what do you see? I see I see the body of Christ not walking in its purpose. We are called to respond, to undo what the devil has done. We're not just here to, 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 to live as Christians and, 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 and wait for the happy, the happy departure that is promised by so many. To come at the expense of the rest. That's not our calling. Our calling is to bring the kingdom of God like Jesus brought the kingdom of God to earth. And when he brought the kingdom of God, the kingdom's order came back into his environment. That is what you and I are called to. You are needed. What keeps us stuck in the desert? Or what prevents us from moving in our God purpose? The first point I want to make today is called misdirection. 
Moses was supposed to be Israel's leader or a leader over the Israelites. But he kept getting misdirected. The first thing he does is he, he, he takes the matter in his own hand. He's, it's a flesh idea. How can I fulfill my purpose? He banks on man-made strength and he kills the Egyptian to save his fellow Hebrews. I've seen this so many times in, our, in, 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 in people's lives. I've seen this in my own life too. The, the, the tendency or, or the lure of trying to do something in the flesh for a good outcome. Because the end will justify the means. No, 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 it doesn't. The God of the, the product is also the God of the process. For the product to be of Him, the process needs to follow His ways. You don't get to go and say, well, I did all this, but along the line there's a body count. But this was good, doesn't matter. All of that defiles your product. You have to follow God's ways to produce His outcomes. I've seen this so many times. I need to, I need to lead my family, men would say. What does that mean? Well, it means that I must, I must be the provider. It means I have to make so much money that they have no need to walk in their purpose. They can just be at home and do nothing. Take some. Every single person in this room here has their own purpose in the kingdom of God. Woman, you need to stand up in your purpose. God has a plan for your life that will complement each other. Look at me, I'm not, I'm not a woman's lip guy that goes like, you know, woman, you need to become men. No, say, please. No, we need the beauty of woman. You need to do you so we can do us. But it doesn't mean that you don't have purpose. It doesn't mean that you must just, just idle along in life. Go get Jesus. Go pursue that call of God on your life. And men, you need to stop being insecure and make way for the women to do what they need to do. A real man isn't afraid of an ambitious woman. No, just serve her. She will love you to the ends of the earth. She will respect you. Even if she makes more money than you, she will respect you because you're loving her. And you're treating her like God would treat her. Don't go into the arm of the flesh to try and be the hero. No, follow God's ways of marriage. It works. It leads to a prosperous, happy marriage. Happy wife, happy men. Life. Ooh, y'all gonna learn. <laughs> y'all gonna learn. <laughs> I've seen this so many times, mothers. I have to be a better parent to my kids than my parents were to me. So that must mean that I must be my kid's friend. I mustn't require anything of them. I mustn't lay down boundaries or, or discipline them. No, I just have to be their best friend. No matter the cost or sacrifice. You're not called to be their friend. You're called to be their mother. And if you mother in the image of God, they will.
your best friend at the right time. Don't skip the season of discipline, of correction, of chores, of training. Don't skip it. Look at me, kids. You don't want your parents to be your friend. Just yet. You want them to be your parents so that they can train you up in the way that you ought to go. And you need to find your purpose. And don't think just because you're young, God can't be starting to, 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 to birth dreams in your hearts about who you are and what God wants you to do. No. You have the same Holy Spirit living on the inside of you as I have living inside of me. Yeah. The same Holy Spirit that can speak truth about your future to you that I have inside of me. Just be quiet sometimes and listen in prayer. Don't just recite your prayers, guys. Say to the Lord, Jesus, what? Do you have something to say to me? Do you, want me to, do you want me to hear something from you today? And just listen and, and, and let him tell you stuff. Let him tell you. He's going to lay an impression on your heart about something. How he feels about you. What he thinks about you. What he's got planned for you. He can speak to you where you are right now. You don't always need to just follow your parents in their faith. God wants you to have your own relationship with Jesus and your own faith in Jesus. And you can have that now. You don't have to wait for after school. Jesus welcomed kids to him. Why? Because he wanted you guys to know right here in this room that he wants you to walk in relationship with him too. It's not just a, a funky song, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. It's not just a song. He actually meant by that to let you guys know today that if you will want a relationship with him, that he wants it with you and that he will talk with you. And he will teach you how to hear his voice. But we feel this sense of purpose and then we, we, we get stuck because we try to do it in a fleshly manner. We get stuck because we try to do it in our own way. That's what got Moses stuck. The second thing that kept Moses stuck was he, he tried to avoid his purpose by doing something that looked like his purpose, but it had no power to bring about real change. He started caring for a flock of sheep for his father-in-law instead of taking care of a flock of people for his father in heaven. I call this religion. Religion has no power to bring about serious change in your life. And before you look to, uh, you know, the typical, you know, outsider that's religious, let's just talk about the religion that's in our own house. Let's clean our own house a little bit first. Let me tell you this. God's not impressed by your church attendance. Because that's not what the kingdom of God is about. Does he want you here? Absolutely. He says it in his word, clearly. But listen to me. You don't get extra points because you came today. Man. <laughs> Going through the motions of Christianity has no power to change your life. It has no power to save you out of your trouble. It has no power. It has no power to change you, to grow you. You can be a Christian your whole life and never share the gospel with people. You can be the Christian or never lead anyone to the Lord. 
You can come to church all your life and never be the church outside of these rooms. Misdirection. Misdirection. Settling for something that looks like the kingdom of God, but it has not got the power to affect this world around us like the kingdom of God has the power to affect. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not in word, it's in power. That means influence. That means pressure. How is your life pressuring your life outside of this room to change, to become and look like the kingdom of God? Your environment. How is your life pressuring to influence your environment to look like the kingdom of God? We've been called to put pressure on the world. We've not been called to avoid the world. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And then he found some and then guess what he told them? Now you do the same. I don't know where Christians got this idea that we're supposed to just ignore the lost and avoid them at all cost. It's not in there. What's in there is that you need to seek them out and apply pressure. Now, the kind of pressure that we apply has been misunderstood again, religious, as judgment. Let's make them feel bad enough until they change. How many of you had parents like that? To try to make you feel bad to get you to change. Kids, don't put your hand up right now. <laughs> but dads, the Bible says don't provoke your child, lest he be disheartened. Don't motivate your children by breaking them down. Motivate them by telling them what they're not yet. By faith that they will become that. That they will want to rise to your expectation, to your view of who they are. That's the kind of father we have in heaven. He don't focus on all of our mistakes. He don't condemn us to try and get us to change. No, he tells us, you're no longer a sinner. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to look, look bad at yourself anymore. When you made a mistake, you can just dust off and get right back up and get going. Amen. You don't have to work. You don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to do anything because I already did all of that for you so that you don't have to get stuck in your mistakes because I see you in Christ. Therefore, I see you perfect. I see you forgiven. I see you empowered to make a difference, to get over the things that hold you back. That's how Christ views us. We need to start viewing ourselves like that. As we see your face, His glory comes. What is His glory? It's His standard. It's His perspective. It's His view of who I am. I start seeing me for who he has already seen me to be. You are no longer a sinner. If you're in Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If that's a theological issue for you, don't worry. Why do I still sin? Well, tell me, did Adam and Eve have sin before they sinned? No, you are able to make decisions. Even as a perfect being, they were able to make a decision to go against God's will. That didn't make them sinners before they sinned. You can be righteous and decide to sin. But your, your being is no longer defined by your sin. 
Your being is now defined by the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. And he needs you to see that. Because if you don't see that, you'll be condemned always. You'll walk under constant condemnation. And if you walk under constant condemnation, you'll stay stuck. And you'll try to please God through your works. You'll hope that if you, know, if you do this, it, it means something for God. And if you, it's, like, it's like paying your way to heaven. It don't work. It don't work that way. It's not in there. God wants you to see yourself as who he is. He wants you to live, not misdirected, but he wants you to, to direct your life according to his purpose. Not through your own strength and not through religious activity. It has to come to that point where you see yourself as having this real relationship with him. Where your nature has been changed. And you have become, in the spirit world, forgiven. Holy. And your job is to put to death the flesh that reminds you of your old nature. Let me say this to you again. Some of you still keep your old nature around for emergency situations. <laughs> it's true. Every now and then, something happens and you think to yourself, Ooh, boy, old me's about to come out. I'm about to release the Kraken on you. If you keep your old nature around, no wonder you're not walking in your new nature. Forget about that thing. You are no longer that. Your identity has permanently been shifted to a new stance in Christ. Don't hold him around for emergencies. You don't need him for emergencies or her. Or they can have gender. I don't know. <laughs> you don't need them. Because if you follow God's ways, you'll produce these outcomes. But see, we think that we are our own strength is still needed. If things don't go exactly as I want them to go, boy, let me tell you. We're gonna make some things happen. Me and that old guy. You go ahead. <laughs> Try to live your life like that. It is confusing. It is confusing. Not only is it confusing, it has no power. Amen. And it gets you stuck every single time. God wants you to unstuck. You don't, don't misdirect. You don't have to go into your own strength to fulfill the purposes of God in your life. Neither do you have to try and prove yourself. What you need to do is you need to accept what he has birthed on the inside of you as your only reality, as your only, only op opinion about yourself. I'm a child of God, and I'm called to grow, and I'm called to become everything that he wants for me so that I can fulfill the purpose that he has on my life. And it's going to be walked forward, walk forward, but you know, whenever I fall, I fall forward. I fall because I'm trying new things. And it's okay because that's what dads do. When a baby starts trying to walk, nobody goes, oh, just stay down. You're never going to walk. Nobody does that. What do you do with a baby that's trying to start walking? You're like, 
Come on. You can do it. Let's try it again. Come see. Let me help you stand. We're all about egging somebody on who tries to go. God is exactly like that. He will not blame you for falling to try and be who you are, who has made you to be, fulfill your purpose. If you do it his ways. Now, some of us, it's like climbing steps. You know, you, 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 get to, you get to a place where you're so self-sufficient in your own strength. Like, I know how to handle this. I know how to do business. I, don't know, I know how to you know, handle life, you know. Um, <laughs> whatever you, you are doing. I know how to be a politician. I know how to be a lawyer. Do you now? The question is, do you know how to be a godly politician? Well, well, you, 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 you got to play the game. It's going to get you stuck. It's going to get you stuck. I can be confused. You won't understand why has God put you in this place. Let me just say this. God will let you settle for whatever level you want to settle for. That's just the amazing God that he is. If, if you say, look, this is where I want to be. Uh, born again, I'm going to heaven. But no, thank you. No more, for, you know, no more of all this gross stuff for me. God's going to let you settle there. He, he, your life is going to be irritating because, you know, he's moving things forward. And people around you are going to grow. And they're going to expect you to grow. And if you don't grow, it's going to become like, wait, why aren't you growing? And you're going to be like, well, I don't have to grow for crying out loud. <laughs> yes, but that's how it's going to be, kind of like, you know. You, you, you can choose that. Um, but my advice to you is, is, is just join the journey. Just go on this growth journey. Just say yes. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be moving. You know, when Jesus came to a certain town, I, I, I don't know if I have this up there, but it says, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do many miracles among them. Only a few got what was meant for everybody to get. But it was based on their view. They had faith. Others didn't. Some saw the carpenter's son. Isn't this, isn't this Jesus? You know, Joseph's son? Some people saw, no, this is Jesus, God's son. They got a breakthrough. These guys didn't. Some just saw a carpenter. Others saw the Christ. You know, if you see a carpenter, you get your house fixed. If you see the Christ, you get your life fixed. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Who are you seeing? Very good, yeah. It's your perspective and it's your willingness to to go to new places with him that determines whether you will grow beyond where you are right now and fulfill the purpose that he has on you some people say well this church thing don't work for me i'm afraid you're being misdirected it depends on what you see if you have a critical spirit you can't see straight So the question is, how do you see people that are investing in your life? Let me ask you this. For those of you who are on a life group, how do you see your life group leader? Oh, that's just old, you know, old Joe Soap. You know what, we get together every now and then, and you know, and he shares a couple of thoughts, you know, we just listen to him and I'm an awe. Or do you see him as a man appointed or a woman appointed to bring words of life to you? How do you see your dream team leader? 
for those of us who are leaders here in church? Is it just all... You see, if you want somebody to be your friend, you'll get a friend. If you want somebody to lead you, you'll get a leader. It's based upon what you want from him, how you see them. But God will let you make that decision. Misdirection. Don't fall for the plans of strategies of the flesh. Plans and strategies of the flesh. Their end is destruction. Don't think that doing church pleases God. The Bible says he requires mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Sure, sometimes it's a sacrifice to get here. I understand that. That's commitment and that's commendable. But that's all it's about. God wants the mercy that he's shown you to be to be passed on to other people as well. So he wants us to have our eye on the lost. He wants us to, to have our eye on the hurting, our eye on, 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 on those who are um, also misdirected. He wants our, our eye and our intentionality towards getting others who are not receiving the word of life to come and receive it. You see, as God was calling Moses to respond to his people that were in slavery, God is calling you and I to respond to his people, his creations that are stuck in, under slavery of sin. Now listen to this. Wait, let's just say this. Everyone say, my purpose, my purpose is to seek and save the lost. Is to seek and save the lost. But listen to this. Moses discovered the full extent of his purpose by signing up to free God's people. Listen to this. Moses never saw the 40 years in the desert that was going to ensue. Moses never saw the miracles that he was going to have to perform. Moses never saw the meetings with God on the mountain. Moses never saw the Ten Commandments being given to him that formed the basis of the government of God for that nation. He never saw the judiciary role that he was going to have to fulfill to arbitrate between the, 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 the affairs of the people. He never saw that he was going to set up a government that formed a, a group of slaves into a whole new nation. He never saw that he would have to wage war and become a commander of an army. He never saw that. But you know what? That all developed after he said, Yes, Lord, I will respond to go and save your people. Sometimes we want to see the whole picture before we say yes to God. God does not work like that. When, when Moses goes and says, whoa, 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 who shall I say sent me? God didn't give him a, you know, an explanation of the Trinity. He just said to him, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. He just said to him, I am. God wants you to start saying yes to saving people in the world. And it's as you say yes to it that you start seeing, oh my goodness, this is what I'm meant to be doing with my X, Y, and Z. We'll get into that in a second. You discover it by signing up to enslave, to save enslaved people. That's how you discover it. What keeps us stuck? Misdirection. Two, insecurity. 
verse 11 of, of chapter 3. Moses said to God, Who am I that, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm not ready. Surely I don't have the gifts that I need to be able to do this. We always behave insistent with the way we view ourselves. How do you view yourself? Well, I'm not a preacher. Fine, you don't have to preach. But you still have to tell people about Jesus. Because that ain't preaching. That's just loving people right. I'm not an evangelist. It's okay. But you still have to call people and ask how they are and if they've ever thought of following Jesus. Because that's not what evangelists do. That's what Christians do. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How are you viewing yourself? We have misdefined ourselves. And it causes us to be insecure, thinking that we cannot do things. Listen to me. God has put his own spirit inside of you. You can do this. You are enabled. You are empowered. Don't view yourself uh, different from what the Bible defines you to be. Some of you have, have done horrible things in your life and you've, you've, you've walked out of it, but you're still kind of like faced with that reality of that past. Let it go. Just let it go. Understand who He has made you to be now and start living for that now. Listen to what Acts 7 says about Moses. It says, He was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Before I go to the rest of the, of the verse. He was educated in all the wisdom of the... Yet no, none of that could in that minute help him. Because he viewed himself according to his failures. According to his own strength. According to his situation, his circumstances. He did not see himself in this purpose of God. The minute you make that switch, you can do all things to Christ who strengthens you. But before that, you can't. Because you're misdirected. You're, you're basing your confidence on the same thing. So you need to switch from being self-conscious to being God-conscious. You know what's, what, what God's um, solution to, to, to insecurity is? It's in the next verse. Verse 12 says this. Acts, uh, Exodus 3 verse 12. It says this. I will be with you. Get your focus off of yourself, in other words. Realize in whose presence you stand. Realize who's on the inside of you. When you stand before Pharaoh, it's not about you. It's about what I have assigned you to do. If you fail in that moment, you will not have disappointed me. You just obeyed me. If the person walks away, laughs at you, you will not have disappointed me. You will have pleased me. If it doesn't work and the person was, does not you know, don't want anything, or he challenges you with you know, a response that you have no uh, you know, a response for in return, you will not have disappointed me. You will have made me so proud because you're trying to do the new things that I'm calling you to do. You're trying to grow. Let's do it again. Come on now. You can do this. You're empowered. 
God's answer to insecurity is to replace your self-consciousness with, with God consciousness in your life. If you'll anchor yourself to the I am, you will know who you are. The Bible says it's in His light that we see light. You cannot know yourself until you see yourself as God sees you. Yes, but I, you know, all my experiences, all my, yes, they form a part of the package. But ultimately, all of that is redeemed by how Christ sees you. That is primary. How does he see me? It takes care of your insecurity. It gets you unstuck. The second, the third thing actually that keeps us from getting unstuck and getting moving in our purpose is just, it's just fear. Fear of failure, fear of disappointing, fear of getting hurt, fear of, you fill in the blank. Exodus 4, verse 2, Moses says to God, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And saying, the Lord didn't appear to you. How many, how many things have not gotten done because of what ifs? If you start playing the what if game, you lose. It's, it's just a matter of fact. Don't even get into what ifs. If you start thinking what if, bells need to, don't need to go off. Like red flags need to go off. And you need to realize, whoa, this leads only to defeat. I need to stop this game. I need, I need to ra rather ask this, what did God say? What did God say I must do? Mm. Mm. And just get going with that. That's good. And he says, what if they, what if they laugh at me? What if they don't accept what I say? What if I can't do this? The what if game is a dangerous thing, dangerous maze. It's like a maze that you get lost in. I teach my kids this. If you say what if, you're working with non-reality. It's not even here yet. It hasn't even happened yet. Yet it's having the most profound influence on you. It's literally paralyzing you. It's not even real yet. But it's exerting its influence on you. We, I, I teach them, even if we play imaginary games, I teach them rather say this. Imagine that we are. Instead of saying, what if? I don't even want them to learn that kind of vocabulary. But what if this happens? I don't know. I don't know what I'll do because it hasn't happened yet. You can't think like that. You can't live like that. But the Bible says, now faith is the substance of things worked for. Faith is a now thing. Faith is a moment thing. Hope is futuristic. Faith is present. It's a trust in a word, a promise that makes you act. Because without action, it's dead. It's not faith. Faith is for now. Don't live in the what ifs. Just live in the now. Here's God's solution to the fear. God said to him, what's in your hand? He said, a staff. You know, I thought, I thought that might have, might have been a little sarcastic. He's like, a staff. Like he thought that was the answer, right? And God works with it. So I'm going to ask you, what was Moses' occupation? He was a shepherd. Did God ask him, what's your job? No, he said to him, what's in your hand? 
What's your occupation? That's not the issue here. I'm asking you, what tools do you use to fulfill your occupation? That's what's in your hand. If it's to teach, it's to use teaching to proclaim Jesus. I had a whole list of things to, to, to say, but I can't find it. You're a nurse, aren't you? That's your occupation. What are the skills, the tools you use as nursing? How can you use that to proclaim Jesus to people? You're an entrepreneur. Good, you have businesses, that's fine. What skills do you use? What tools do you use that can be used in God's service? See, each and every one of us has to go and ask God, Lord, this is what's in my hand. What do you want me to do with this? Because if God can use a staff to go and declare freedom to an enslaved people, my goodness, God can use your skills to use, to proclaim to people that there is a God and He wants to save them out of their slavery. It's that practical, guys. Well, I'm just a homeschooling mom or a stay-at-home mom. So? What have you learned? What are the tools you use at home to disciple those kids? To start something that can, through that, influence other homeschool moms or stay-at-home moms. You know what? I really know how to you know, uh, create events. Alright. Well, my, my, my wife has, has done this a couple of times and, and she might do some more of this in the future. She's like, you know what? Uh, put a public ad out. Hey, if you're a single mom or if you're just a mom with kids and you want to hang out in the mornings when your kids are in school, I'm going to be there in this place having coffee. Come and meet me. I can't tell you how many people she's reached that way. Having coffee. That's when she was um, not full-time in ministry with me, with me. But even now, there are, there are tools that are in our hands that we can use to reach people, but we're blinded by misdirection, insecurity, and fear. You have everything you need to be able to reach people. Everything, everything, everything. You're a lawyer. You're a parent. You're a restaurant server, a waiter. What are the tools that you use? Well, you know, I talk to people every day. I offer them options. I give them advice. Like, that's your tool. That's your skill. Take that and start getting creative with how you can use it. Let me tell you, God will take that staff in your hand and he will perform miracles that confirm his presence and his truth. You've got to step out. You've got to try it. His solution to your fear is just take what's in your hand and offer it back to Him. How can you use this? Lord, can you use this? This is all I do in life. You know what? I just, I just, I just blog. My goodness. How can you put a just in front of that? You blog? You know how many people you can reach with hope through that? I just crochet. My goodness. Do you know how creative you can get with proclaiming the gospel through crocheting? But see, you've been misdirected. Yeah. Hmm. You don't even think of your tools as, as, as elements for the gospel. It's because we've come into this religious mindset. Now, if I can't invite them to church, there's nothing to be done. Hmm. No, there are plenty to be done before it gets to the place for inviting them to church. So I'm asking you, Come on. Come on. God wants to get you unstuck. He wants you to get 
out of your misdirection and realize that this life of you declaring his word, declaring his truth to people, that is really attainable. It is attainable. We can do this. And listen to me, Moses had no idea that there were over a million people waiting on his yes. How many people are waiting on your yes? You, your obedience is the answer to somebody's prayer. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. Let's all stand. Lord, I pray for I pray for burning bush moments right now. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to our hearts. Thank you that you invite us into your presence. Lord, I pray that we would not ignore the burning bush here today. I pray that we will draw closer like Moses drew closer to figure out what this is all about. I pray that each and every one of us in this room will want to draw closer to figure out what this is all about. How have I been misdirected? Lord, I pray that you show us by opening up that door again to us for our purpose. Thank you that you you invite us into the first step of our purpose, which is to, to be about people that are not saved, to think about them, to pray over them, to reach out to them, to go and present your truth to them, no matter their response. Thank you, God, as we do that, you will let the rest of our destiny unfold in front of us as we walk, as we walk towards your calling over our lives as Christians. Speak to us now, Lord. Speak to us now, Lord. Show us things that we could do. Show us things that we could we could creatively adjust in our lives. Show us the tools that we have. What do we normally do? Things we, we are, are habitually doing or habitually using every day. How can that point to you? I pray that people will draw closer. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Show us. God's dropping ideas in the room, actually, right now. Um, <laughs> if you're getting an idea, don't think that, oh, well, uh, that's just me. No, I don't think you're that creative. Um, just listen. Just listen and receive it. And let him move on that. Don't discard it. Don't justify not doing it. If he's showing you something, there's something there, draw closer to it. Y'all getting some ideas? Sometimes it takes just a little drawing closer. Just realizing that when you step into these moments, it's holy ground. Don't treat it just normal. Don't like, oh, I'm just 
I'm just here waiting for the service to end. No, 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 no. Take off the sandals off your feet. You're not going anywhere now. You're listening. You're drawing closer. Be careful for the arm of the flesh. That's not what he's meaning. It's not just about trying to be a better Christian. walking into God's purpose for your life. And His purpose always starts with saving those around us and living for those around us. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to speak to us. That we might not walk out of this and never think of this again, but that this will be a constant return. This will be a constant place of visitation that we meet with you in. Show me how I can use the tools I have in life as opportunities to declare and confirm your truth to people and always be inviting people into a relationship with you. We pray that in the name of Jesus.